Well, today, uh, it is, we're right in the, the midst, uh, just past the halfway mark of our 21 days of prayer and fasting, and uh, uh, last week we actually took the time from 6.30 to 7.30 to meet here in the morning and start our week off right, and uh, so if you're planning on it, uh, we only do it for the one week, so if you show up tomorrow at 6.30, you're going to be outside in the cold. I'm just putting it out there for you. Um, we have a special guest with us today, and uh, we, him and I sort of were introduced to each other, if I remember, for, with, through Paul Winter. Paul, uh, who pastors Living Word Temple, uh, pulled us together, made us uh, sit down together and, and eat together at a Boston pizza, and ever since then, we've started this relationship, and our guest is Elton De Silva, and Elton was uh, born in Brazil. Uh, he's the son of a missionary couple that eventually immigrated to Canada. They came to Alberta. They had uh, uh, planted churches. They started a uh, you know business. They just made made it go. Eventually, uh, he pastored a Christian and planted and pastored Christian Family Center in Elmwood here in Winnipeg. And he, he's uh, presently uh, the executive director of the Mennonite Brethren Churches here of Manitoba. So he's a big cheese. He's a big guy in many different ways, and I'm thrilled that he's here. He's, his wife, Anna, is here, and uh, they have three children as well, and uh, they say that his goal as the executive director of the MB Churches is to serve our congregations by providing opportunities for doing missions together, leadership development, and church health in all areas, and that's the forefront of his ministry, and uh, I've been waiting for a while to, to bring him on stage and to have him uh, share what God has been putting on his heart and uh, would you welcome Elton and Anna today as they come up? And it's just a pleasure to have you here. Good to be here, Jerry. And, uh, you know, before we go any further, I have a gift. It's, it's a custom that I found when traveling overseas. I, I was a visiting pastor. The host pastor always gives you a gift. Oh, okay. And so I have a gift from you. And what it is, actually, it's a bust of Minnow Simons. <laughs> so I don't know if you can see that there. So... It says Minnow Simons right across the bottom. And I thought that this would look great on your desk as a, a remembrance from a Pentecostal church. I would definitely take uh, it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Thanks for being here, my friend. Well, it's better than uh, I went to preach in Brazil. Yeah. And when I finished preaching, instead of giving me a check, they gave me a rooster. That's what I took home with me. So. Well, that's, I'll do better. I'll, I'll make sure you get a check. Thanks for coming, Elton. Good. Well, Good morning. It is so good to be here with you this morning. Um, you know, there are people in life that you, uh, that you talk once and you kind of connect. That's what happens with Jerry and I. We, uh, Paul Winter said, you guys have to sit down and talk. There's so much you have in common. So we sat down and talked and, and kind of connected and we've been uh, uh, kind of developing this friendship, I think. Uh, I think... I like him more than he likes me, but uh, I'm working on that. We'll, we'll get there sometime. Um, and uh, yeah, so I work with the Mennonite Brethren churches here in Manitoba. We have 52 churches in this province, some as far as nine hours drive up in the north. Um, we happen to work now with Paul Winter, which some of you guys are very familiar with, and Paul Winter is doing a whole set of... Uh, uh, indigenous ministry for us. So now we have a number of churches in the reserves, and we are so excited about that. It's, it's really different. It's a, it's a new culture. If, 
and, and it's beautiful. And we're just uh, excited about God, what God is doing uh, among our churches here in Manitoba. And I was also excited about the theme for this morning when you guys are talking about being real with yourself, being real with God, and uh, spending time in the presence of God in prayer and fasting and understanding what that, uh, what that does to your spiritual life and the uh, results that it, it does to your natural life, to your everyday life as you develop this habit of praying and asking God for things. So I wanted to spend some time with you just talking about positioning yourself to hear the voice of God. For many of us, prayer is a one-way street. It's a one-way communication. We tell God or ask God, but we typically don't have, not all of us, sense God speaking back to us. We don't get this opportunity to say, hey, I think God is saying this to us. But the reality is that God is a communicative kind of God. He has done that from the beginning. The Bible tells us that in the book of Genesis, as he creates mankind, he takes them in a walk in a cool of the garden to relate to them. He communicates to us and with us for the sake of relationship. God wants relationship. So he does that. So much so that in, in the book of Revelation, Jesus says that here I stand at the door and I knock. If anybody hears my voice and open the door, I will come and I will have dinner with him. In other words, that's what happens with friends. Friends show up. Friends sit down at their table. Friends have this time of relating to one another. Friends begin to talk about life issues together. And God wants this kind of relationship with us where we begin to relate to him in a way of, uh, of sharing our thoughts, our emotions, our difficulties, um, our struggles, our successes. He wants to hear it all. He wants to be part of it all. But it's not easy for us to understand prayer from that perspective. Prayer many times is, God, I'm sick, would you heal me? God, I have this need, would you give it to me? God, would you bless this? Thank you for the food, Lord. Bless this food. And in talking about blessing food, I have this, this amazing story that happened to me, you know, I, I, I'm from Brazil, so um, Brazilians are very good at, at doing barbecue. I don't know if you ever heard about that. The Brazilian barbecue is like famous. And so um, I grew up eating a lot, as you can see. And then I married a Portuguese, um, a Portuguese girl, and she is a great cook. So I continue to eat very good food. And the Portuguese more into the seafood areas of things. There are many other things they do, but so always good food and always well-prepared and always the kind of food that looks good when you, when you sit at the table and you can't wait to dig in and to eat. But when, uh, so when it's time to give grace for the food at our home, it's typically a very short prayer. Lord, thank you for the food, amen, because we want to eat that food. But my parents were sent as missionaries to Bolivia, and uh, I was 14 years old. Uh, I turned 14 in Bolivia, and we were missionaries in an area of Bolivia where it was called the 
Plan 3000, where 3,000 families had lost everything they had due to, to a flooding. So the government bulldozed an area of the forest and said, okay, it's clear. You guys find a way to live there. So these uh, 3,000 families were living in cardboard and pieces of wood that they would put together to live, make their, their homes. They were living in a, um, um, the mud, and it was devastating. And the, the death toll every, every day was incredible. And uh, so that's where we were ministering. We were, you know, having a church there, uh, building a, a clinic and a school. And, and it was a wonderful time, but at the same time, a very challenging time. And you get people who love you, begin to love you, and what they want to do, they want to invite you for dinner. So I remember being invited to this house for dinner, and you sit, you sit at this small table with many, many people around the small table, and the only thing that isn't on the table is this big, huge pot. And uh, they are giving you their best. And at the time, when they opened the lid of the pot, it was a full head of a cow with everything on it, just being boiled in water. So you sit there and you look at it and you go, how are you going to eat this? So now you start praying. So they ask you to give grace. And I think I prayed for an hour and a half that day. Because you're not certain, you know, if you're going to be able to do it. But what's your communication with God? Are there things you can do to position yourself better to hear the voice of God? Communication with God is much like the communication you would have with your spouse. Anna knows that if the jets are playing, don't stand in front of the TV and talk to me because I will not listen. I would say, yes, uh-huh, it's good, okay. And at the end, she's going to say, did you do it? Do what? So there are things that I can do to position myself better to hear Anna's voice and to have a communication with her. One of the things would be turn off the TV because if I don't, I won't hear her. I won't understand her. I, it was just going one ear and out the other. And there, so there are things that we as people can do and should be doing to position ourselves better to hear the voice of God, to communicate with God in a way that is not just us giving him information, but it's us also receiving information back from him. So if you have your Bibles... I want to take you to a very strange book of the Bible that you probably, maybe some of you never heard about. It's called the book of Habakkuk. It's a small little book in the Old Testament. And I want to read chapters 2, verses 1 to 3. And in this, there, is a, there are seven different things that this prophet does to position himself to hear the voice of God. Here's what it says. I will stand on my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me. And what answer am I to give to this complaint? Then the Lord replied, write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a announcer, a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though we linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. 
I have a very different devotional life than, than most people do. And I, I love the fact that there are many devotional books. You can read it. You can take notes. You can do those uh, daily. But with me, the way God works in my life is that I get stuck in one passage and sometimes for half a year. Sometimes half a year of the same reading, the same passage, and every time there's something new that comes out of it. This is one of those passages where I've been stuck on for a long time, and every time I read it, there's something that God wants to pour into my life out of this passage that seems to be so simple. But there are truths in here that, that really have, has changed the way I relate to God. In this, we find seven different elements that can help us to position ourselves best to hear the voice of God. The first element is want. The prophet wanted to hear from God. He says, I will go and I will listen. I will go and I'll, I will watch. So there is this, this want from him, that, this, this pursuit of God. I want, there's this expectation that God is going to do something. How do we go to God? How do we get to his presence? Do we go so people don't say you don't pray? Do we do it just because it's, it's something that we are taught as, as children in Sunday school? Why do we pray? Do we pray because it's just the right thing to do? Or do we pray because we want him to do something? Do we pray because we want him to speak to us? Do we, we want God's input into our lives? Do we have this want and expectation of God? I find it that in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 4, verse 29, God is preparing the people of Israel for a new land. They are... They are in the desert, but they're going to go to a new land. And God, through Moses, says to the people of Israel, look, when you get there, when you get to the new land, you will, you will seek me. And you will find me if you seek me with all your heart, with all your soul. In our English translation, two, two times the word seek appears there. But actually, in a Hebrew, these two words are very different. The first, week, the first word seek means you're going to have a need for me. So God is saying, when you get there, you will have a need for me. And you will find me if you, the second word means, if you make a habit of pursuing me. The second one means to set your heart after me. So the first one is pursuing God because we have a need, and he's okay with us having a need. We all have needs. And he wants to fulfill our needs, but he doesn't want the relationship to be about the need. He wants, to be the re he wants the relationship to be about wanting to be with him. So if you set a direction or if you set your heart, if you set yourself to pursue me, you will find me. You will find me. 
How annoying it is for a parent who comes home every day from work only to be greeted by his children saying, I need a new shoe, I need a new this, I need a new that, I want this, I want that, I want that. And you, and you as a parent, you feel it's my responsibility, I will give, it's, it's, I'm glad to give. But after a while, you get tired of being the person that just, they just want to be around you because they can get something out of you. But how beautiful it is for a parent who comes home and, the, and the, the children come around them and say, hey, dad, mom, I love you. So how do we position ourselves to hear the voice of God? We must want to be with him. Do you want to be with God? Or is he the last one in your agenda items? Do you want to hear God's voice? Well, this church thing, this prayer thing is just, oh, it's the right thing to do. Was this this pursuing after him? Jerry said I had two hours, so I am. When I met Anna, she lived in Winnipeg. I lived in Edmonton. And uh, she saw me at a church and pursued me. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) So, but... Our relationship was really difficult because she lived here, I lived there, I worked, uh, my work hours were until, you know, sometimes two in the morning, three in the morning, and what I would do is uh, after two in the morning, I would take my car in Edmonton, drive all the way, you know, the 12, 13 hours so I could be here in the morning, spend a day with her, and then drive all the way back so I could go back to work by Monday again. That's how the relationship was. Why? I was pursuing her. There was something about being with her that was so important to me that the driving the 13 hours here and 13 hours back was necessary. How does your soul feel about God? How does your spirit feel about God? Is it necessary for him to be in his presence? Would you go to any length to be in the presence of God? Do you want him? Come on, somebody. The second element is this element of withdrawing. The prophet says, I will stand on my watch, I will station myself on my ramparts, and in other words, this protector area, I'm going to withdraw, I'm going to go somewhere. And typically, the rampart of the watch was this, this, this sense of, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to go into this protected area and wait. So this intentionality about withdrawing. Do we do that? Do we book times where we withdraw to the presence of God? Or do we fill in God in the blank spots of our agendas? How important is he? If Jerry calls me and says, I want to meet with you, he goes to the top of my agenda. At least that's what I say to him. <laughs> and so, so I make time. And then we go somewhere. There is this withdrawing from my, my office, this withdrawing from my work, withdrawing from everything else so I can spend time talking to Jerry. 
How do we do that with God? Do we do that with God? Do we have those moments of, I'm withdrawing? So what it means is that there is an intentionality in this process. There is something that you have thought about. It's not just, it just happened. And many times our prayers just happen. I, uh, I say to people, my prayer life is that I may not spend 15 minutes in prayer on my knees today, but I'm not going 15 minutes without praying. So every time I walk into a situation, uh, I'm praying. Every time I finish a conversation, I'm praying for the person I just talked to. As I visit with my staff in the morning, every time I walk into their, their room, I'm praying before I get there. God, would you just guide me so I can be a blessing to this person today? God, would you, you know what's happening today. Would you just lead me into, into things? There is this intentionality. There has to be this intentionality of withdrawing to be in the presence of God. Withdrawing also means surrender. We give up control and we wait orders. There is a military uh, uh, language to this passage. I'm going to stand on my watch, my rampart. And in other words, until the general tells me advance or retreat, I'm not moving. I'm not doing anything until I hear orders, until I get orders. There's a sense of surrender when, we, when you withdraw. There is a sense of God is worth something. I'm taking my time, my energy, and I'm withdrawing to the presence of God. The third element is the one I like the least, is the element of waiting. Waiting. I'm going to just stand here. I'm going to tell him the complaint. And I'm just going to wait to see what he says about this. I'm just going to wait here. I don't like wait, waiting. My wife knows I live a very fast-paced kind of life. I'm always doing something, always moving. I'm always working. I'm always building. Always, there's always this, this sense of going, 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 going. So waiting is so difficult for me. I don't know if it's because when we, I grew up, my parents were moving every five years because we were in a different church, a different country, a different place. We are always moving. That I have this sense that if you stay too long in one place, uh, you, you, you know, something's going to go wrong. So you're moving all the time. So the sense of waiting, it's, it's, it's really difficult. So when I came to work in church ministry, out of you know, the business world, it was so hard for me because church moves so slow. For you to change something in church is like, oh, it takes such a long time. But waiting gives you the sense of quietness. I got to quiet myself. There's so much noise around. There are so many things. I'm just going to stop, withdraw, wait. I'm going to quiet myself. If you read the Psalms, which are a group of songs by, by many people, including King David. 
King David would say, hey, in the morning I'll bring my request before you and then I will quiet my heart and wait for your answer. So this, the sense of, can we quiet our hearts? Can we quiet the voices that are, are, are so loud every day at all times? And just say, hey, I'm just peacefully here surrendering before the presence of God. In those moments, that's when you encounter him. In those moments, that's when he speaks into your heart. Sometimes, I'm also, my background is Pentecostal. And in Brazil, Pentecostal Brazilians are a bit different than Pentecostals in, in, in Canada. We're pretty loud. Pentecostals in Brazil are pretty loud. Like I, I would be preaching over here, and you guys would be standing up and go, hey, man, preach it, hallelujah. You know, that's the way Pentecostals in Brazil are. So we like noise back in Brazil, right? And uh, when, we, uh, when we get, um, but the, 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 the sense of sometimes God is in the quiet space. The prophet Elijah was told by God, hey, go up on that mountain. I want to talk to you. I want to have this conversation with you. So Elijah's obedient. He goes into the mountain. And then all of a sudden there's this big fire. And there's an earthquake. And there's this big wind. And the interesting is that these three methods were the methods that God had used previously to speak through to the people of Israel. So every time, uh, so one of those things happened, a big fire, probably Elijah thought, hey, God is going to speak through the fire. The earthquake, oh, God is going to speak through the earthquake because he had done it before. And, or God is speaking through the wind because he had done it before. So he waits through all of these big, noisy, and, 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 and uh, big things that happen around him. And the Bible says that when it's all done, there's this still small voice that speaks to him. It was that gentle, quiet voice of God. Sometimes God speaks when we're in the middle of the fire, in the middle of storms, in the middle of everything, and, and he speaks loudly and he does amazing things. But there are times when he wants us to position ourselves in such a way that we have quite our heart and we can hear what he has to say to us. We are not thinking about the football game later on. We're not thinking about... Um, what kind of food are we going to cook today? We're not thinking about what the boss is going to say about this. We, are not, we have withdrawn and we have decided. We have told our soul, quiet. God is important. God is worth listening to. In those, those moments, we wait. Isaiah 40, 31 says clearly that those who wait on the Lord will be renewed in strength. And there's many things that you'll be able to do. So what, what does it mean to wait on the Lord? The, the, the word wait comes from a, um, a, a, a Hebrew word that means to live peacefully, intimately with someone for a long time. Is this comfort, comfortable space that you have with somebody? I'm coming home, God. I'm resting in you. 
say this story all the time. I have a sofa in my house that has this uh, little bed at the end. I don't know what it's called. It's a duvet, duvon, or du... It's a French name, anyhow. Something like that. And um, everybody in the house knows that's my spot. So, but everybody likes that spot because you can lie down and you kind of, uh, you know, you're comfortable in there. And, uh, but when I come home, I come home and the first thing I do is whoever's there, I just go like this. I just give them a look. And they know it's time to get out of that spot. So you get there and you lie down and you have this sense of, oh, I'm in a comfortable place. I am in a familiar space. I am in a place where I can relax. That's what waiting in the Lord is like, is the sense of God, everything around me may be falling apart, but in here I am in your presence. And in here I am comfortable, and in here I can rest. Because you got me, Lord. You got me. Do you trust God enough that you can say, you got me, Lord? Think about it for a second. Can you say to God, in your presence, I am in comfortable. You got me. Or do you immediately say, well, it's not happening, so I got to go do this, 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 and this. And you know, or do you have this moment to you say, God, I've done what I can. So I'm just going to stay here in your presence. Would you just close your eyes with, with me for a second? Ask your soul, how comfortable are you in the presence of God? How can you, how real can you be in the presence of God? Thank you for indulging me. The next thing about uh, the next element, we're almost done, just an hour more. Uh, the next element is this element of watching. He says, I will look to see what he will say to me. I mean, it doesn't sound like very good. Uh, it's, it's not a good way of writing things. I will look to see what he will say to me. But this, is, this, this visual aspect of how God begins to respond to us. Sometimes God responds to us by just opening our eyes to the possibilities and to the things that are around us. Or sometimes is this just this, this, this visual picture of what is happening. God speaks to us. He makes us aware. There are things you'll be able to see that you probably didn't see before. A way out. But sometimes there is a, a more, I'm going to use this word, more mystical way that we visualize things because God does speak through dreams 
and visions. Did you know that? It's a biblical, it is a biblical thing. God gives us that. God shows us things that normally we would not know. So are you aware of that element of God? Is he speaking to you in a way that could be considered supernatural? The next element, so we got to keep our eyes open. Next element is this element of writing. God tells them when he begins to speak to the prophet, he says, write this down. Why writing? Again, because writing has this element of this is important. You don't go to school and you sit there and you don't take notes because if you don't, you're going to be in trouble. There's a sense of writing down. God is saying something. I got to put it in paper. There's a revelation that is for me. It might not happen right away, but it is for me. I'm writing this down. I'm putting it down. The next element is this element of walking. God tells him, look, there's going to be a plan. I'm going to give you a revelation, a plan. You've got to get somebody that is going to go around announcing. There's got to be somebody that walks this out. And it means to plan and to obey whatever it is that you're receiving from God. To communicate, to persevere in what God has given you. What has God said to you in the past? Typically, uh, sometimes when I go preach at places, I finish preaching and I get people, you know, pat on the back and say, that was a wonderful message, brother. I say, what part? What part was good? Why is, was it good? What does it mean to you? What do you take home with it? How it's going to change your Monday? How is it going to change your marriage? How is it going to change your relationship with your children? How is it going to change the way you relate to your boss or to your employees? What about this was great? I walked in one Sunday to a church I had preached a few times before, and the brother comes up to me, oh, good, God is going to give us a new revelation today. And I said, what did you do with your last revelation he gave you? Did you walk it out? Did you practice? Did you persevere? Did you communicate? Did you build a plan around it? What did you do with God has asked, what God has asked you to do? Have you positioned yourself so you can get more revelations from God? Or do you simply ignore it and say, oh, something else is coming. Something new is going to happen. So just park this one. I'll finish with this. The seventh element is the element of worship. And for that, we'll go to Habakkuk 3, verse 2. The prophet, after hearing God has to say, writing it down, he says, Lord, I have heard. have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. What's your worship language with God? How do you worship him? Not all of us are into music. You know, sometimes we, get, we feel convicted that, you know, the music is, is playing, but we don't feel like singing. So sometimes we say, oh, 
that person is not a good worshiper. But we all have different worship languages, don't we? There are different, for some people, it's playing their instruments. They may not sing, but they are going to play their instrument with everything they can. For some, it's writing poetry or, 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 or putting words to paper. For some, it's painting. For some, it's just, uh, uh, you know, it's just the this, this sense of adoration before God. They can't say anything, but they're in the sense of awe before God. But have you discovered your worship language? Do you know when you are worshiping? Do you know when you're bringing praises before God? Because that's important. The Bible says you enter his gates with thanksgiving in, in, your, in your heart and into his courts with, with, with praise. In other words, there is a gate, there is a door, and the key that opens is worship. Are you a worshiper? And it doesn't mean the 20 minutes we sing. It doesn't mean we don't praise music. It can mean, but it, that's not the point. You and I were created as the worship to God. Worship is not something we do. Worship is who we are. We have been built and made as worship to God. And everything we do, the way we relate to our spouses, the way we relate to our children, the way we go about our job, the way we relate to people, it can be a worship to God. It should be a worship to God. What is your worship attitude? Do you know it? Jesus said to the Samaritan woman as he encounters her, she is trying to figure out this religious thing. And he says, she says to Jesus, well, you know, you guys have this worship thing in Jerusalem. We worship here in the mountain. Which one is right? And Jesus said, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. The time is here now. The God is pursuing those who worship him in spirit and in truth. So in other words, you want a connection with God? You want to position yourself in the presence of God? Do you want to be where God is and hear what God is saying? Become a worshiper. In your whole life, not just for the 20 minutes in the beginning of the service, but for your whole life, become a worshiper. Then your prayer life, your communication with God changes from a one-way communication to a relationship. And you begin to hear what God has to say. May the Lord bless his word and engrave it into our hearts. Amen. I would take my men assignments. <laughs> Thank you, Elton. Josh, why don't you and your team come and join us? I think it would be great for us to finish on what Elton was saying, worship. Why don't you stand with me? And let's, uh, that song, Death Was Arrested, that uh, you were teaching us this morning. Let's close just before the blessing with that. I think the, the, the points there, it's more than just, yeah, that was good. What's running out with me, the new revelation, is the aspect of worship. 
where when we come together, it's more than just singing songs on a Sunday. I, it's, it's, I think the abandonment of everything else during the week to focus on God. And that's where our hearts and our minds and our souls should be. But not just, like you say, on the, the 20 minutes on a Sunday morning, but on a daily basis that we come and have this connection and, and just pour it out before God. So can we do that together corporately, please? Josh, take it away here. And I know the song's sort of new, but it is catchy, and the, the truth of the lyrics are fabulous. Let's just sing it together. And Father, we just lift you up today here. As we gather together and we have come and we celebrated your table, we have sung words of praise. We've heard your scriptures. We've heard your servant share what you've impressed on his heart. And we ask that God you would now just begin to move in us and that you would stir in us. And that as we leave this place, we not only leave change, but we leave challenge to reach out to those that you have put in our path, to share, to invite, to equip, to, to encourage, to lift up and build up. Now, may we be your ambassadors. Soul Sanctuary. In ancient time, the one who blessed extended his hands for a blessing. And I will do that. And those receiving the blessing did likewise. And so here is the blessing. It's worded a little differently, but here it goes. Power of God, may the boldness of your spirit transform us. And the congregation said, Amen. May the gentleness of your spirit lead us. And the congregation said, Amen. And may the gifts of your spirit equip us to serve and worship you now and always. And the congregation said, Now go and be the church. We'll see you next week.